we like guarantees. We like sure things. As a matter of fact, when companies are selling products, many times to get you to buy the product, they will say, there's a money-back guarantee. Your satisfaction is a sure thing, they say, if you will simply buy this product. Well, I've got some really good news for you this morning. As we begin our study through this summer in the book of Revelation, there are some built-in guarantees for us as we study this blessed book. And I want us to begin this study by thinking through those guarantees, those blessings for you and for me. So keeping that in mind, turn with me to Revelation chapter 1, last book in the Bible. Revelation chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to focus our attention specifically on verse 3. I want to ask you this morning if you are physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. God's Word is living, active, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Truth with no mixture of error. I'm grateful today for my Bible. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, "...the revelation of Jesus Christ." which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Now notice verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. For the time is near. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and we are so grateful for your presence with us. We're so grateful, Lord, as we sang this morning that you are our shield, our strength, a very present help in times of need. And I pray that today, God, we would feel your nearness We would feel your strength. We would feel your help as we study your word, as we bow our hearts before you, that we would experience you, that we would encounter you, that we would be transformed by you. We want to say we love you today. We worship you. You are the one true God. Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. And it's all because of Jesus that we are here today. It's all because of Jesus that we are alive. Now I ask for your grace as we study your word to lift up the matchless name of Christ in this place. Well, thank you for the grace to do that. We love you. We praise you. Lord, I ask that you establish my steps in your word and we ask and pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. 
the book of Revelation has fascinated countless numbers of people through generations. Without question, many of you today are fascinated by the contents of the book of Revelation. And it's fascinating because we try to wrap our mind around all that is contained in this book. There is mystery in this book. There is history in this book. There are broad brushstrokes of our future laid out in this book. And so it has rightly fascinated so many through the ages. And this summer, we are going to embark on a crash course through the book of Revelation. We're going to center our study around seven blessings that are found throughout this book. The first one's found in verse 3 when the Bible says, Blessed are those who read and hear and keep this book. The next one's found in Revelation 14, 13 when it says, Blessed are the, the dead who die in the Lord. And then in Revelation 16, 15, we're going to see that blessed is the one who stays awake. Revelation 19, 19, we're going to see that those who are invited to the marriage supper are blessed. Revelation 26, we're going to see that blessed is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Revelation 22, 7, blessed is the one who keeps the words of this book. And then the last blessing throughout the book of Revelation is this. Revelation twenty two fourteen, blessed are those who wash their robes. So we're going to take those blessings one by one, week by week, and consider the overarching message of the book of Revelation. Now, this repetition of the word blessed is an is interesting word. It's the same word that Jesus used in the Sermon on the Mount when he gave us the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And on and on and on. That word blessed that Jesus used in the Sermon on the Mount, makareos, is the same word used here throughout Revelation with these seven blessings. And the word blessed, or makareos, simply means uh, happy or fortunate It means something like, oh, the joy of, oh, the joy of, oh, the fortune of, these things being realities in your life. Now, as we begin our study and we look at verse 3, we're going to see that God pronounces a special blessing. This is in your notes. God pronounces a special blessing for those who seriously engage this book. God pronounces a special blessing for those who seriously engage this book. Book, verse 3, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. So, blessed is the one. How happy is the one. How fortunate is the one. Oh, the joy of the one who reads and hears and keeps these words. Now, here's the, the question. If there is a special blessing, a guarantee for you and for me, If we seriously engage this book, how do we engage it? How does God intend for us to come to the book of Revelation? 
How does he want us to understand it and and take it in? How does he want us to approach it? Well, he tells us there in verse 3. Number one, read. Read. How do you seriously engage the book of Revelation? Read. Can I suggest to you that the best place to start with a study on the book of Revelation is not with a book about Revelation, or not with a sermon about Revelation, or not your favorite Bible teacher teaching on Revelation. The best place to begin to, re- to understand the book of Revelation, to engage the book of Revelation, is to read it, right? It's not very long, but it is wonderful. So read this book. There's a built-in blessing for those who read this book. And that word read probably means those that read out loud. This vision that the Apostle John wrote down that was given to him on the Isle of Patmos, he was in prison on that island in the late first century, was was recorded and sent to the churches in Asia Minor, and it was intended to be read to those churches, read out loud. So imagine the joy of the chosen reader on that day who began to read the letter to the church and say, oh, I'm blessed just for reading it out loud. And guess what? I got to read it out loud this morning. Pretty neat, right? That blessing is mine. So we, we get a blessing by reading Revelation. You got you to read it and see what is found in its pages. The, the second way that you engage the book of Revelation is you heed it. You read it and you heed it. How do you heed the book of Revelation? Look what it says there in verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear. So there, there's a hearing that needs to take place. Now you know that sound waves can go in your ear canal, but you never really hear. Did you know that? I mean, you, you, can, you can make out that there are noises going on, but you don't really hear. So how do we hear the book of Revelation? How do we engage it? Well, first of all, hear reverently. Hear reverently. Turn to the last chapter in this book, Revelation chapter 22. If you get to the maps, you've gone too far. I like that joke. Revelation 22, verse 18. Let me show you how we ought to read this book reverently. The very end of this book, the Bible says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them... God will add to him the plagues described in this book. That sounds pretty serious, doesn't it? And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. That's serious business. So God intends us to hear this book reverently, not adding to it, not taking away from it, but but ingesting it, digesting it, Uh, engaging it, letting it shape our lives and change our lives. We are to hear this book reverently. This is God's word. It It is not meant for us to add to or take away from. We are to say, this is the word of God. This is a special message from God. The last book in the canon, we're going to hear it reverently as the very word of a holy God. Secondly, you hear expectantly. Expectantly. Back in Revelation 1, he says, blessed are those who hear. Now, throughout the first few chapters, there are connections between hearing the word of God and 
spiritual victory. As a matter of fact, in chapters 2 and 3, Jesus addresses seven churches in Asia Minor. It's a special message for each church. By the way, we studied those seven messages last summer, if you remember, chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation. But notice this connection between the act of hearing and the, the victory we have in Christ. Look in Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. Let me just give you one example. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And we see the same, this same pattern throughout the messages to the churches. There's this blessing of, of hearing and conquering. Th- those two things are connected. So we need to hear expectantly. We need to expect that as we hear the word of Revelation and we engage the the book of Revelation and we apply its truths to our lives, we will achieve spiritual victory in the here and now. So we're going to hear it expectantly that God is going to do something in our lives through this study. He's going to give us victory if we take it seriously. But there's a third way we need to hear the book of Revelation. We need to hear it obediently. Obediently, look what it says in chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed are those who hear and who keep, who obey what is written in it, for the time is near. Notice he says you need to read it, you need to hear it, but if you're going to seriously engage revelation, you got to keep it. There are some things in this book that you and I are called to keep. Now, I want you to hear me carefully. The book of Revelation is not merely a knowing book. It's a book to be obeyed. And and I think that's where some folks have missed it through the ages. They approach Revelation as a knowing book. We, We want our curiosity satisfied. Tell me about the seven trumpets and the seven bowls and the the seven seals, and the 144,000, and who the Antichrist is going to be. And we want our curiosity fulfilled. We want to to learn the the specifics and and have our knowledge grow in terms of the end times scenarios. Now, we should want to grow in our knowledge of, of what is coming. But, but... If we don't approach Revelation as a book that we are to obey, we are going to miss the overall point. There's so much interest in in knowing this book, but the Bible says God blesses those who keep what's in this book. There's a difference there, right? So we need to take off our knowing hats, even though we're going to learn some stuff, all right? And we need to put on our obedience hats and say we're going to come Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, because there are some things God wants to say to us, and there are some ways that God is going to call us to respond to what he says. And if you come to this study with just a, uh, with just a fulfill my knowledge kind of attitude, you'll miss what God's doing in your life or wants to do in your life. So we need to hear reverently and hear expectantly and hear obediently. That's what is meant by seriously engaging the book of Revelation. Now, I want to spend the rest of our time answering two questions about this blessing. The the first blessing of the seven. 
The first question is, why are we blessed by reading, hearing, and keeping these words? Why are we blessed by reading, keeping, and hearing these words? And the second question this morning is, what is that blessing? What does that blessing look like? So first of all, why are we blessed by reading, hearing, and keeping these words? Well, let me give you several thoughts as to why we are blessed. Number one, we are blessed because of its author. We are blessed because of its author. Look in Revelation chapter 1. The Bible says the, the revelation of who? Of who? Jesus Christ. Now, look at how this revelation goes from the throne of God to the churches in Asia Minor. It says there, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, So God the Father gives His Son, Jesus Christ, this revelation, and He gives it to Him to show to His servants the things that must soon take place. So God the Father gives this revelation to God the Son, and He says, go and give it to your servants. Look what happens next. He made it known by sending His angel to His servant John, who bore witness to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that He saw. So notice the the special chain of transmission of this book. You have God the Father, give it to God the Son. God the Son gives it to an angel. Angel comes, gives it to the Apostle John. Apostle John writes it down, sends it to the churches. Someone stands up and reads it, and blessing follows. And so we see that this book that we call Revelation comes from the very throne of God. It is a heavenly book. It is a divine book. We are blessed because of its author. If God writes something, we ought to pay attention to it. Amen? We ought, we ought, to, we ought to desire to see what God says. So we're blessed because of its author. Why are we blessed by reading and hearing and keeping? Because God wrote it. Secondly, we are blessed because of its content. Because of its content. Look what it says there in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, the word revelation there in the original Greek language is the word apocalypsis. Uh, We get the word apocalypse from that word. And, And the word basically means unveiling. Unveiling or uncovering. And so it says here, the the unveiling of Jesus Christ, the uncovering of Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation is an unveiling of things to come. He says there in verse 1, the unveiling, the uncovering of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. These are things that are coming in God's divine economy. And so he unveils things that are to come. I approach Revelation from a futurist perspective. I believe most of it deals with the future. There are people that would disagree with me on that. There are people that are, that are preterists and, and, and some that are partial preterists, which means it's past. All, most of Revelation was already fulfilled in the time of the Roman Empire. But, but I believe these are writings given to the Apostle John at the end of the first century about things that would take place in the future. And so it's an uncovering, it's, a, it's an unveiling of things to come. And, and the content is fascinating because the content makes some demands on us. Look there in your notes. The book of Revelation makes demands for the here and now. Remember, it's not just a knowledge book about end time scenarios, it's a demand book that calls for our obedience. 
So what demands does the book of Revelation make on you and make on me? First of all, the demand of readiness. Readiness. Look what it says in verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. For the time is what? Near. So the book of Revelation is meant to prepare God's people for what's coming. Meant to prepare us to be ready for what is ahead. And I pray that if God does anything this morning and throughout our summer of studying Revelation, that He will get us ready. He'll get us ready. Because readiness is a, a, a desire that God has for giving us this book. Look over in chapter 3, verse 1. Jesus here addresses the church in Sardis. Look what he says to them. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of God. So we know at least one church needed to wake up. They, they were not ready for what was to come. They were not ready for what God had for them. Now, a little bit of historical research on the city of Sardis gives us some interesting information. Twice, Sardis, which was in a, a great location to, to, to be fortified against enemies, twice, Sardis fell to enemies because the watchmen were not watching. They weren't keeping watch. They, they weren't awake when they should have been awake. And so, Jesus says them, wake up. Wake up. You need to be ready for what is coming. Look over in Revelation chapter 22. Again, last chapter in this book. Revelation 22 verse 20. Next to last book, or verse in this book. The Bible says, He who testifies these things says... Surely, this is Jesus, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. But here's the question. Are you ready for Jesus to return? Are you ready for these events that are laid out for us in the book of Revelation to unfold? Are are you ready for the end times? One of the major... uh, major designs of God in giving us this book, one of the major purposes of this book is to get God's people ready. So, so that's a demand on life, to be, to be ready. And this is not just in Revelation, it's found through, all throughout the Bible. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians Chapter 5, verse 1. Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. In other words, it will come when you least expect it. While people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as Labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not 
of the night or of the darkness, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. In other words, Paul's saying, you are God's people. You are followers of Christ. So the the end time scenarios, the day of the Lord, the day of deliverance and destruction for all of humanity, one or the other, will be delivered or destroyed. When that day comes, you as God's people should not be surprised. You should be ready. You should be on guard. You should be looking. You should be preparing. And so the book of Revelation demands our readiness. I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He writes... I do not perceive that John says, Blessed are they that understand this book. (laughs) For surely they would be very few. I do not doubt that there are portions of Scripture which are not meant to be understood as yet. Things concerning the future which are wrapped up in a phraseology which will be plain enough when that future arrives. But which for the present are not intended so much to gratify, listen, not intended so much to gratify our curiosity as to stimulate our watchfulness. To keep us constantly on the lookout is the main object of every revelation concerning the future. Did you hear what he said? The purpose of the book of Revelation is not to satisfy our curiosity, it's to stimulate our watchfulness. It's so that we might be on guard and we might be preparing ourselves and our family and our community and our country and our world for the, the end times that are coming. And I don't know when they're coming, but we're one day closer than we were yesterday. Readiness. So the question becomes, are you ready? Are you ready for what is to come? But there's a second demand that this book of Revelation makes upon us. Not just readiness, but witness. Witness. All throughout the book of Revelation, there's a an emphasis on those who are witnesses for Christ. For example, turn to Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. The Bible says, When he opened the fifth seal... I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. So we see here the role of the martyrs in the throne room of heaven. They're looking out over the... The, the, the earth and, and, and what is to come and what is unfolding. And they're saying, how long, oh God, how long will you let your people continue to be martyred for being witnesses for you? But notice, they're given a white robe. They're given a place of, of prominence and preeminence. They're, 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 they, are, they are blessed for their witness for Christ. They are honored for their witness for Christ. Look what it says over in Revelation chapter 12. Verse 11, this verse tells us how followers of Christ defeat Satan. Look what it says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they have conquered him 
by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. How do you, listen, how do you win the victory over Satan? First of all, the cross, the blood of the Lamb. You've got to have your sins forgiven. You've got to be set free from your sin and the, the, the curse of the law. Only the blood of Jesus can do that. Only the blood of Jesus can save you and make you right with a holy God. Only the blood of Jesus can wash away your sins. But after you are saved, after you have been washed clean by Christ, you win the victory over Satan by your testimony, by sharing what Christ has done for you by sharing what Christ can do for others, by bearing witness to Christ, even, it says, to the point of death. Even if it gets uncomfortable, you are called to win victories over Satan by sharing your testimony. And can I tell you, in the coming days in our country, it's going to get more and more uncomfortable to do that. It's going to get more and more uncomfortable to share our testimony. And we're going to be shouted down. And we're going to be marginalized. And people are going to say, we don't want to hear it. Keep your opinions to yourself. What's good for you is not good for everybody. So, so you go over there in your corner and do your little Christian thing. But don't, don't bring your religious opinions to bear on us. And there's going to be an increasing intensity against Christians. So the question is, are we going to let Satan win the day in our nation? Or are we going to, as blood-bought Christians, share our testimonies, even if it's uncomfortable? We're called here to witness. And then look over in Revelation chapter 17. Here the Bible speaks of Babylon, the great mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. Babylon here is probably a a picture of the the ungodly world system. It says there in Revelation chapter 17 verse 6, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. That word martyrs is the same word for testifiers. It's the same word. Martyrs are those who die because they bear witness to the reality of Christ. And can I just tell you that today there are martyrs in our world? Martyrdom is happening right now in our world. The world system, the, the great Babylon, the evil and godless wants to silence Christians. And so persecution is happening in our world. It's going to happen in an increasing way in our country. The question becomes, are we going to keep testifying? No matter how uncomfortable it gets, are we going to keep testifying of the greatness of Jesus Christ, the grace of Jesus Christ, the cross of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the hope that only Jesus Christ can bring. The book of Revelation calls God's people to be witnesses, to be ready and to witness. I like what Craig Keener, New Testament scholar, writes. This revelation approaches us as a demand. As God's servants who receive his message, we, like John, must be witnesses of his message. Revelation, listen, challenges our complacency. 
whether by pointing us to the price true Christians must be prepared to pay for following Jesus or by revealing the dangers of compromise with a world inescapably opposed to the one we acknowledge as Lord. What's powerful? The book of Revelation challenges our complacency. And so listen to me. If you don't want the Lord to rock your world, don't come back this summer. Because we're going to study some stuff that's going to rock your world. It is going to challenge your complacency and challenge my complacency and call us to readiness and to witness. So why are we blessed by reading and hearing and keeping these words? We're blessed because of the author. We're blessed because of the content, the unveiling of things to come and the demands for Christians. But let me ask, answer this final question and we'll be through. What is the blessing? Blessed are those who read these words aloud. Blessed are those who hear and keep what is written, for the time is near. What is the blessing as we engage the book of Revelation? And we take these words seriously, not just to have our curiosity fulfilled, but to let the Lord change our lives. What is the blessing? Well, first of all, I believe the blessing is a change in perspective. A change in perspective. And here's the perspective that you need to get from the book of Revelation. You are on the winning team. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are on the winning team. Now remember, this this letter was sent, sent to seven churches scattered throughout Asia Minor who were undergoing different levels of persecution in the Roman Empire. John himself was on the Isle of Patmos for being a, a, a testifier to the reality of Jesus Christ. Domitian, the Roman emperor at that time, sent John to Patmos in exile to keep him away from the rest of the empire. He was on that barren island in prison for Jesus' sake. And the churches in Asia Minor were, were going through different types of persecution. And so can you imagine what happened when they got this letter? And some of them wanted to throw in the towel. And some of them wanted to compromise. And some of them wanted to go and just live in their religious complacency. And some of them wanted to back away from following Jesus with all their heart and all their soul and all their mind. Can you imagine the, can you imagine the impact of this letter? When someone began to read it aloud to a group of Christians that were scared and timid and uncertain about the future. For example, can you imagine what it would have sounded like to persecuted ears to hear this verse? Roman, uh, Revelation 17, verse 14. Speaking of the end time scenario, the great war, the end of the ages. The Bible says, They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them. For He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with him are called chosen and faithful. Wow, what a verse. Can you imagine sitting in a congregation, and you've been threatened by by the Roman authorities, and they've tried to silence your witness, 
And you're having stress on the job because people don't share your same Christian values. And you have family members that have turned their back and walked away from you because you've been following Christ. Can you imagine sitting there in the congregation and hearing someone say, the King of kings, the Lord of lords wins. And I want you to know that life as a Christian is not easy. The Bible says all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But I've got good news. We win. We're on the winning team. And I believe that is a major thrust of this book. To let us know, yes, there are hard times. Yes, there will be more hard times. Yes, there will be devastating times. But if you know Jesus Christ, you are on the winning team. A change in perspective. James Hamilton writes, this is an extended quote, but it's so good. John intends the book of Revelation to produce a radical change in perspective. He intends the persecuted members of these lowly and insignificant churches to feel the reality that they are blessed. In spite of the fact that they are at odds with the reigning culture of the Roman Empire, in spite of the hostility of the emperor, and more significantly, Satan himself, they are blessed. They are blessed because of what this book reveals. It may not seem that they are blessed by worldly, fleshly standards of reckoning, but this book will make plain that the awful judgment of God is coming against those who have rebelled against God and opposed his people. Meanwhile, God's people will ultimately be delivered and will enjoy the new heavens and the new earth under the benevolent rule of King Jesus. So, listen, it may not seem like it to human perception, but those who read, hear, and keep the book of Revelation are truly blessed in reality. So here's the question. Do you understand the full import of what it means to be on the winning team? Let Revelation change your perspective. Yes, times are hard. And and I don't know about you, but lately I felt like I've been bombarded by secular culture. How about you? I felt like my family's being bombarded by secular culture. And it's frustrating, and it, and, it, and it makes me angry many times. And, I, and I'm concerned about the, 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 the future for my children, the, the society they're going to grow up in, the things that they're going to experience. And, and all of that kind of weighs heavy on me sometimes. That's why I need the book of Revelation. To be reminded that in Christ, we are on the winning team. And so the blessing of of this book is there's a change in perspective to, to help us understand we have victory in Jesus, but there's one other blessing that I think we get from this book, and it's hope. Hope. And by that I mean Christ is making all things new. Turn to Revelation chapter 21. Wonderful passage of Scripture after the final great white throne of judgment. The dust has settled on human history. Those that do not, know, do not know Jesus Christ have been cast into a eternal, an eternal lake of fire. And those that do know Jesus Christ experience the blessing 
of the new heavens and the new earth where they will live for eternity. And look what it says in Revelation chapter 21. And, it, and it's hard to read these words without, without being moved. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. You say, wait, what makes heaven heaven? What makes heaven is heaven is, is God dwells with his people. It says in verse 4, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And don't miss it, verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. What is Jesus doing in the world right now? As his kingdom expands through the preaching and proclamation of the gospel. As Jesus brings human history to the ending that he intends for it to have. Jesus is making all things new. That's what he's doing right now. It's what the gospel does. It's what Jesus is is busy about, making all things new. And so listen, no matter how hard life gets, there's hope. And this book reminds us of the glorious hope beyond the trials and tribulations and persecutions and hardships and suffering and sickness of this world. Craig Keener says, no matter how difficult our situation, Revelation announces that God is still in control and that he will conclude this stage of history the way he has promised. He often, listen, he often provides happy endings to our individual trials, but even when he does not, we have the assurance that a time is coming when everything will be as it should be. Precisely because he rules history, he can assure us of its outcome. What's the blessing of engaging the book of Revelation? God is going to give us hope. Hope beyond the hardship of this world. Just this past week, just this past week, I was by the bedside of a gentleman who has ALS. is deteriorating rapidly. with a family that lost a dear loved one. Received some news of troubling diagnosis that people are going through. Talked to someone that's going through ongoing treatments. 
for their condition. It would be easy to look around at the the suffering, the sickness, the pain that every family goes through and lose hope. But Revelation won't let us do that. Revelation reminds us that Jesus controls history. And because he controls history, he will bring everything to a glorious conclusion where he makes all things new. And that hope that grips our hearts and lifts our spirits is, I believe, one of the great blessings of engaging this book. And so, we got some guarantees as we enter into this study. Better than a money-back guarantee. It's a God guarantee. It's a sure thing. As we engage Revelation this summer, God is going to pour out His blessings. Doesn't get much better than that. Amen?